Well, even though the SEC took their annual November bye week, that did not stop week 12 from turning into an absolute banger of a week. We've got playoff contenders being tested. We've got um, Aggies going into Auburn, not the Texas A&M variety, and knocking off the Tigers. We've got so much to talk about right here on the 3 Tech Live Recap. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome in, everybody, to the Week 12 Live Recap Show. I'm Trey Reeves, joined by Mr. Garrett Turney tonight. Mitch Mason is not with us tonight. He is at an undisclosed location up in a tree searching for that elusive 12-point buck. We wish him luck with his bow and arrow up in the tree. But, Garrett, you and I are staying warm inside. We were uh, around the TV all day and watching all of this college football action. It started slow this morning. But, man, by this evening slate, this evening slate, man, just that turned into absolute chaos, banger after banger, every channel that you turn to. I found it hard to keep up even with the quad box. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, I felt myself actively having to strain to focus on stuff because it seemed like, you know, I'm watching Michigan not quite put away Maryland and Maryland just kind of be, you know, plucky and weird and almost like a puffer fish, right? And then I look over here and I'm like, wait, why? why is it? You know, why are we still struggling here in this SMU-Memphis game for one of these teams to, to finally pull away? And then I look over at the other one, and I'm watching AM and I'm saying, what are they doing? Like, what's what's going on in Aggieland? Why are they just messing around at ACU? So it was a crazy week, uh, so many great games um, all the way through. And, and man, like I, I got to say, I, I took a little bit of a drive because we went to go have a, a barbecue at this place in Argyle tonight. And so we were driving up there and, you know, I'm with the family and I'm, I'm driving and everything. And so I'm not really paying attention to scores. And when we get there, there's just screens everywhere. And I'm like, wait, this is happening. Wait, that's that. Wait, what? And so it just blew up out of nowhere for the evening slate. And so, of course, I mean, drama abounds. Um, playoffs are coming up. We got conference champions coming up. Plenty of implications still. Um, and I'm, I'm excited as this last week of the season comes comes down to the wire. Yeah, it was it was backloaded for sure tonight as we had, you know, I think five or six games, maybe even more than that, come completely down to the wire. A couple go to overtime, go right down to the final gun. So we're going to break it all down here tonight. We're going to try to decipher what all of it means moving forward as we enter the last week of the regular season, sadly, the last week before we move into conference championships and the college football playoff and bowl season and all of that great stuff. Before we do that, though, Let's talk to you about who pays our bills. This episode and every episode is brought to you by the Transfer Portal CFB. Our friends over there are doing a great job covering the sport that we all love from a fan perspective while also still being professional. Uh, We write an article each and every week, highlights in review, going over the biggest stories of the week in college football that was. That's going to come out either tomorrow uh, afternoon, evening. Sometimes it comes out Monday morning, but we try to get it out Sunday for you guys. Uh, it should be out very, very soon. And you can read all the other great coverage over on their website. 
And as always, we're also brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel. Guys, as the season is getting colder, as Christmas is coming up, what better way to gift the college football fan in your life than to give them some premium apparel for their team with the vintage logos that everybody loves, not this corporate focus group stuff that comes out of a lab, it seems like. It's the old oldies but goodies. So head over to homefieldapparel.com, use our code 3TECHPOD at checkout. If you're a first-time customer, you can use that code for 15% off your entire order. If you're a returning customer, we have you uh, taken care of as well. We have a link in our Twitter bio for you to click on to get that 15% discount. Garrett, now that we've paid the bills. Hey, real quick on the home field, I just want to say, rocking my home field Georgia Tech yellow jackets hoodie. Yes, yes, yes. This is why you buy stuff from home field, so that on your podcast, you can rep <laughs> for Ramblin' Wreck as they go bowling. We'll talk about that later, but I don't know how this isn't the leadoff for the show. I know it's not playoff implications, but the Ramblin' Wrecks are going bowling. Shout out Mitch up in a tree somewhere. He's rambling on. I'm rambling on. You can get on if you want to. I mean, you, you've been kind of a doubter and a hater and a non-believer all year, Trey, but we're, we're rocking with Georgia Tech. Well, man, they, they have figured something out. We're not going to do 20 minutes of Georgia Tech talk, talk off the top, I promise. But, man, they, they have figured out something with Haynes King there, man. They're running a modified option offense, it seems like, using his strengths. And kudos to them for getting back to the bowl game for the first time since 2018. We'll talk about them and a lot of other <laughs> – yes, I, that is not breaking news, actually. Uh, that, that, that has been a, a known story since August, I believe. But – uh, hats off to them. No, yeah. no doubt. That's a huge accomplishment for that program. You're one of a new coach as well. So uh, they're moving in the right direction. That's good to see for Georgia tech. So we'll see what they can do against the Bulldogs next week as well. But Garrett, uh, you know, all jokes aside, let's jump into our top stories of the week. And I want to start with a thought experiment for you. As we move into the last week of the regular season, the results that have happened today, I think have had huge implications. It was chalk at the top. But a lot of stuff happened within that shock that I think might rearrange the perception, might rearrange the confidence level in some of these teams up at the top. So what I want us to do right now, I want to rank the teams in order of likeliness to make the playoff. We're going to go through everyone that is theoretically still alive, even if that's like a 1% chance for someone like the Louisville Cardinals, maybe that needs a lot of chaos. But theoretically, I think still alive after their win against Miami today. Let's go through likeliness to make the playoff. And this isn't necessarily like who's going to be the number one seed if they went out. This is, you know, who can just get in to the four-team field. Now, I want to posit you something because I think it's a little bit controversial, especially after the events that transpired on the field today that were really unfortunate for them. I still think Florida State is the most likely team to get into the college football playoff just based on remaining schedule, right? They have the rivalry game against Florida next week uh, in the swamp, I believe. Mm -hmm. They're going to face Louisville in the ACC championship. That's a very, that's a great Louisville team, but it's a very flawed Louisville team that can be exploited. Are they number one and most likely to make the playoff in your mind, even with the injury to Jordan Travis? See, the, the even if is the issue. So for me, most likely team right now is the Georgia Bulldogs because I don't see how, I mean, outside of collapsing against that rambling wreck I just mentioned, um, I don't see how they miss. E even if they lose to Alabama, I think a one-loss Georgia with their loss being to SEC champion Alabama still gets them in. Um, so they'd have to lose both of those last two, in my mind, to not make it. 
and even with just the one, I don't think you can keep them out. So uh, I think Georgia's probably your most likely just because of where they are and sort of name recognition for whatever it's worth. I mean, you shouldn't get the benefit of the doubt just because you beat Bama or, or barely lose to Bama and like, oh, it's Bama, right? But realistically, that's what you're going to get. For me, Florida State, uh, I actually think there's a massive drop-off after Georgia, or after Georgia, and I'm not really sure how you rank these next couple teams, right? So Florida State, I would have said yes, but two things happened tonight that make me think maybe not. One, Florida I mean, obviously, the injury to Jordan Travis is devastating, right? Yeah. And there's no way around it. You lose, you know, heart and soul of your team, best player on your team, guy who's been driving you forward all year. That That's, you know, that sucks. That's not what anyone wants to see, regardless of if you thought that you were going to play them in the playoff or whatever. This isn't what you want to see. And, oh, my gosh, what an injury. Like, I don't want to get into the, oh, it's, like, horrible, but it looked pretty, pretty rough. And yeah. so, obviously, thoughts and prayers going out to him right now, hoping that he's okay. Um, obviously probably not. I, I don't see how he plays at any point the rest of the season, but hopefully he's okay going forward. This isn't like a career ending type of thing and he's able to get back in and, you know, get, get back on the field soon enough and, and get to playing again. But the other thing that happened tonight was Florida looked pretty dang good against Missouri. And so that game next week, I think has to become a little bit more of a, you know, raise your eyebrows at a type of game because Florida's not going to go down without a fight. I don't think Florida's a very good team right now, but they sure look good against a very good Missouri team. So if they're hyped up, motivated, ready to go, they smell a little bit of blood in the water with, you know, Florida State maybe not looking as good. This could be a, a you know, letdown spot. And then all of a sudden you're in a must win in your championship game because a two loss is definitely not getting in um, considering how all these other teams are. So I, I don't know if that kind of clicks with you. I know you said they're most likely, but I'm I'm a little nervous about that Florida game. I, I am too, especially, you know, Tate Rodemaker running the show is di very different than Jordan Travis running the show. It was a close game last year with, I think, a less talented Florida team overall, uh, even though they had Anthony Richardson at quarterback. But it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough two-game stretch. All of these contenders have a tough two-game stretch, mm -hmm. right? Until you get way down the list, like maybe down to the Texas Longhorns, you're starting to say, okay, I can realistically see – you know, the least path of resistance, but then they have the hurdles to clear in front of them. So, mm -hmm. you know, whether you want to put Georgia at number one, I, I think that Alabama game is going to be really, really tough for them. I think Alabama's clicking at the right time. Right. Um, you know, I, I would put, I wouldn't put them lower than number two. Do you put the winner of the big game in that third spot? And we're, we're doing this before we know the winner though. So right. do you put the winner of the big game in that third spot or do you put someone else? I, I think so. I was thinking about this because, you know, I was, I was trying to figure out earlier today while I was watching, like, what what's my argument for resumes and what's my argument for who could be where? Right now, unfortunately, the Big Ten kind of sucks this year. Like, it's not that great. It really has become a Michigan and, and an Ohio State top two, right? Like, Penn State looked pretty good. You know, they're kind of in that next tier down. And then, like, Maryland obviously gave them a run for their money, but they're up and down. But really, there's nobody on that other side, nobody in that, you know, shadow realm that can really jump up and scare you. I know Iowa plays good defense and I mean, doesn't have very much of an offense. I think they still technically hit their under today, which is disgusting. They did. Um, yeah. which, 28 points total. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but, no, I, just, I don't think there's anybody in that championship game that scares you. So I think that I would put – whoever wins the game this week as your number three, because they just have to get by each other. Now, granted, 
it might be the hardest game left on the slate. And I think I have something spicy for the pre-snap notion this year or this next week coming up. But um, look, I, I, I just think this is probably going to be where it goes because the other thing is in the Pac-12, you, both teams are going to be playing tough games in their last conference game and then have to play each other. This might be a hot take, but I think circumstantially Texas is out. I don't think Texas can make the playoff at this point, just circumstantially, because you're going to need some upsets. But unfortunately, most of the upsets that are going to happen are going to come at the at the expense of them because the other teams are going to jump. So, like, if Washington drops, it's because Oregon probably right. is the yeah. team that's jumping up. And then if if Georgia drops out somehow, it's because Bama's jumping in. And that's like the only way I don't I don't see how Texas makes their way into this outside of a Florida State collapse. Uh, and a bunch of two losses. So I think that's probably their their best hope is Florida State collapsing and then a bunch of undefeateds, conference champions in front of them with Georgia and Washington and and um, like a Michigan or Ohio State. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. And I think that's the piece of the puzzle that I think a lot of Longhorn fans might be slowly figuring out just reading their comments online, especially after the game against Iowa State this week. Because they're also going to have to look really good on the way they're, out. They're you know, going they to have to look really to good on the way out. And we're another week deep. We're another week in. We'll get to Texas. We'll break that they damn didn't do game it names down. Tonight either. They didn't look good names. Yeah, and we'll we'll break that game down fully here in just a little bit. But we're another week deeper into the season. We have still yet to see Texas look like they did way back in week two in Tuscaloosa. We have mm-hmm. not seen that ceiling from the Texas Longhorns since week two. And I think that's concerning. So for me – you know, if I'm ranking these teams, just to run through it really quickly, I've got Florida State at the top personally, even with the quarterback situation, just because yeah. I'm weary of, you know, being undefeated still and having the weakest schedule of the undefeateds. Yeah, the ACC is not very good, yeah. The ACC is not very good. I'll go Georgia next because they can lose to Alabama and still get in, I think. Yeah. I'll go Michigan third because they're at home, and I think they'll be favored again uh, in the Vegas line. Next week against Ohio State, it might be a one or two point line, but I think they will be the favorite, at least in the opening. I'll go Ohio State fourth because, you know, they just need to win one game. I think they'll get by Iowa relatively easily. I'll go, I'll go Washington fifth, most likely. Right. Oregon sixth, most likely, because Oregon has a game against Oregon State next week. Washington is playing Wazoo, who did get more eligible this week, but. I think that's a way less challenge than Oregon. Oregon has a very tough end of their schedule. Then I'm going to go Alabama, then Texas, then Louisville uh, to round that out. Do you have any disagreement with any of that? No, I think that's probably fair. I mean, I I think you could argue the Michigan-Ohio State, right? You could say, oh, well, maybe Ohio State looks a little bit better at this point in the season. You know, no Harbaugh, that could be an issue for Michigan. So you might say something like that. Um, you could argue again, the Washington, Oregon thing. I, I think, you know, Oregon looks like the better team right now. In my opinion, I think they look just leaps and bounds ahead of where Washington is. And I'm super excited for that rematch in the conference championship game. Hopefully yeah. we get it right. But I think out of those teams, I think, I think that's pretty fair in terms of the tiers, right? I think you'd have obviously the one and two are going to be your sec and ACC champion, I, I think. And then you're going to have whoever wins the big 10 and then whoever wins the pac 12. And then Texas, if they can scoot by all of that somehow, and, and there's a, a weird occurrence of events where Oregon loses and and Bama loses and you know Florida State loses, and so they can get a lot of losses, they can get there. But Texas definitely needs the most help. I, I don't think Louisville's going to make it. it. It'd be pretty special if Louisville made it, but I don't think they're going to make it. Yeah, and we need teams you know, to hop at the end. 
And the reason Alabama's ahead is because they have an Auburn team that lost to New Mexico State. I know it's the Iron Bowl, but yeah. Auburn Auburn is not beating Alabama next week. Yeah, I've of something crazy. Anything can happen in that game, but it would take an especially crazy thing to happen. It would year. take an especially crazy situation. And then all they have to do is beat Georgia, which I know I'm saying all they have to do, but uh, <laughs> it, it's no easy task, obviously. Right. It's no easy task, obviously, but if anybody can do it, Nick Saban can do it. And he did it a couple years ago in the SEC championship game to knock Georgia down a peg. So listen, it's going to be a fascinating last couple weeks of the season leading up to selection Sunday. Keep it locked right here. We'll be breaking all of it down all next week and all through conference championship week. But Garrett, let's get into the games that were played on the field today. We're going to start with the headliner the one that everybody was looking out for this week, Washington holds on on the road in adverse conditions, to put it lightly, in Corvallis, 22-20. to 20, They get the victory over the Beavs. Oregon State was favored in this game all week, all the way up to kickoff, and we saw why, especially in the second half, right? Like, Oregon State gave Washington all they could handle. These adverse weather conditions really took a toll on the Washington offense. At the beginning of the game, it looked like Washington was going to be fine. They moved the ball down the field very quickly on their first possession, scored with relative ease. Oregon State did the same. We're okay, maybe this weather's not going to play a factor after all. We're just going to get a up and down the field game. And Washington scored all 22 of their points in the first half took a 12-point lead into the break, but it was all Beavers after halftime. They almost clawed their way back into this one to uh, steal the victory on the backs of the defense because the offense really didn't do the defense any favors. The turnovers there are the key stat. What I was concerned about coming into this game is what type of mindset is DJU going to have, right? Like he's kind of gotten to play – Without a lot of pressure in Corvallis, he had a ton of eyeballs on him in Clemson. I think that was part of his downfall. He's had way fewer eyeballs on him in Corvallis, and he's balled out this year. Now the pressure's turned back up. The eyes of the country are on you. You're the national game of the week on ABC primetime. And he he had his moments. He made some plays. But overall, he made some big mistakes that cost his team this game. Yeah, and it was it was pretty unfortunate because I thought just watching it, Oregon State looked good enough to win this game outside of DJU. And I don't want to, you know, totally crap on the guy, right? He he went out there, he fought, things weren't going his way, kept his head up, kept going. But end of the night, 15 for 31, 166 yards and two interceptions just is not going to get it done. But look, you look at some of the other parts, like Damian Martinez had 123 yards and two touchdowns, really kept him in this game. Um, and, and when you looked at the way that this game played out, obviously Washington off to a massive lead in the first half, thanks in no small part to, and I want to make sure I shout him out, Jabbar Muhammad with his two interceptions. I mean, just uh, he was a, a menace. I think first, the second interception, I think was the, um, the one in the second half, right, right coming out of the, right coming out of the half, he undercut her out. And I mean, at that point you thought, okay, this game's over. Washington's going to run away with it. Here we go. But Outside of that, there were I, I saw the the graphic on the screen that they put up late in the fourth, or, or maybe midway through the fourth. They they put out a graphic on, on the show where they said that Washington had two possessions in the second half, went three and out in both of them, and had the ball for like three minutes. And then when you looked at the at the Oregon State side, they had had the ball for like thirteen minutes, ran twenty something plays up and down the field. They were just 
grinding clock, right? They were just basically deciding, you know what? You don't get to touch the football. We're going to keep this thing. We're going to go find four yards, five yards, four yards. They were two for five on fourth down. That should tell you something about how this game kind of went. The abysmal on their third down conversions just couldn't get it done long-term. I think a lot of Oregon State fans kicking themselves right now over the fact that their team couldn't pull it off in the clutch moments, right? They, they could move the ball down the field. They couldn't quite punch it in, settled for a couple of field goals, um, and, and just, you know, ultimately wasn't good enough when the moment counted. The, they outplayed Washington in most of the category. I mean, look at this. They outgained them in total yards. They outpassed them. They outran them. The three turnovers are massive, but they got more first downs. They just weren't good in the clutch. They weren't good when it mattered. And you have to give credit to Washington. They made plays down the stretch, but this was Oregon State's game that they lost more than it, I think, was Washington's game that they won. Well, yeah, and just look at the difference in the margin of victory, right? The margin of victory is two points. Those two points came from punting the ball at their own 40-yard line and the long snapper just snapping it a mile over the punter's yeah. head where, where it rolled yeah. all the way back to the end zone and the best play was Plus just the to possession pick it out. Too, so, yeah. And lost the possession. So, yeah, I mean, Oregon State was right there. This is a really good football team. It would have been no surprise to anybody that if they found a way to win this game. But, you know, this is just Washington's year, it seems like. They are finding a way right now. It's not always pretty. I will say the first half looked really pretty, and I do want to shout out the Washington defense because that was the big concern on our show and for a lot of people coming in. Can the Washington defense slow down this Beaver offensive attack? 319 total yards. I know it was a monsoon at some, some points, but Washington stepped up. They made big plays. They made DJU uncomfortable all night. So hats off to them. A much maligned Washington defense steps up big to keep their playoff hopes alive. In the chat right now, we're asking, will Washington win the Pac-12? I'm still saying yes. I, I just, you know, just call it a confirmation bias from picking them in the beginning of the year to go all the way to the playoff. I, I think they're going to find a way to get it done. They have Washington State in the Apple Cup next week. A big one, no doubt. Washington State's going to be fired up to play them for the last time on the schedule. That's going to be huge. But I just think they're going to find a way to get it done. I think they're going to find a way in Las Vegas to knock off Oregon again. That's going to be a fantastic game. I'm glad it's a standalone one on Friday night. Man, I, I've just got a feeling Oregon's going to get him back. I just, I, I think, you know, obviously. Bo Nix looks like a man on a mission right now. We'll talk about them in a second. But Bo yeah. Nix, man, I, my hot take, I'll share it in a, with more detail in a second. But I think Bo Nix right now, especially given what he might do here in a couple weeks, I think should win the Heisman Trophy. I, I think that he's been the best player right now to his team. He's clearly had his team looking a lot better. I think Oregon looks a lot better than Washington. Washington does have that team of destiny thing about him right now where yeah. they just refuse to lose games even when it looks like they should. Um, but, I mean, look, Oregon just looks like the better team right now, and I think that they're they're coming for it. They sure are coming for it. I think it's going to be a, a, a massive, massive game there in Las Vegas for this one. But I, I think Bo Nix should win the Heisman. I think Oregon will end up winning that game. Well, we shall see how that plays out. Oregon still has another big hurdle. Like I said, they got to play the Beavs. They were also going to be fired up that their in-state rivals are leaving them behind in the Platypus Cup Civil War, whatever you want to call it, next week. So a couple big games in the Pacific Northwest. Gary, let's move on to the number one ranked team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. They also allegedly were facing a test this week, uh, going to Knoxville to take on upset-minded Tennessee. 
And on the first play of the game, it looked like Tennessee was going to give them a game. They bust out a 75-yard touchdown run on the first play from scrimmage. The defense gets a stop, and all of a sudden we're thinking there might be an upset on Rocky Top. But when Georgia turns it on, it's going to be a long day for the opposition. When Georgia turned it on after that, they scored, uh, I believe it was 31 unanswered, if I'm remembering correctly. It was 31 to 7 at one point, I believe, maybe 28 to 7 if I'm misremembering that. But it was it was over very quickly after Tennessee jumped out to the early lead. The stats tell the whole story right here. Just domination from the defense of Georgia after that first play. Only 200 yards of offense for the rest of the entire game after the first play from scrimmage for the Volunteers. 9 of 13 on third downs for Georgia. Tennessee just could not get off the field. Carson Beck was doing whatever he wanted through the air. And this is what Georgia is, right? They uh, can weather some punches early and still win the game by 28 points going away. Yeah, man, I've I've been I've been kind of just trying to analyze these teams across the way. Look, I'm I'm ready to come back around. Georgia looks like the best team in the nation. Um, it looks like the 2023 beat is all alive, all well for the Bulldogs. Um, there's certainly a lot of teams moving one direction or the other. Um, and and I think that there's been some comparisons to how would they stack up against Georgia this year. Georgia's the king right now. They just are the best team at this moment. And I say this because I look at this game and I say, who was the standout? Right, who is the standout? I look at this. Carson Beck, he had 298 and three touchdowns. That's a good game. It's not Herculean, but it's a great game. Um, Kendall Milton, 66 yards and touchdown. Deshaun Edwards, 34 yards. Aaron Smith, 33 yards. You get under the receivers. Um, you have a 91-yard effort, a 90-yard effort. Brock Bowers had 60 yards, a couple touchdowns scattered among them. But who was your star? There wasn't really a star of the show today. And they beat Tennessee by, what, 28 points. Like This is... This is what George is doing right now, right? They're, they're doing what they want to. Um, they're bullying people, and, and it shouldn't be fair, but this is what they built. They're peaking at the right time. And, and one of the things that I wrote in the notes is that I think this Brock Bowers injury was a blessing in disguise because when you watch Georgia early in the season, it kind of looked like they were all standing around saying, let's play football, let's do our best. But if we get in the pickle, Brock Bowers will bail us out, right? We'll just throw it up. He's down there somewhere. He'll make an incredible catch. It'll hit all the highlight reels, and, and then we're done. But that's not how they play anymore. They, when Brock Bowers went down, guys had to step up. Guys had to figure out you know, what their role was and how to put in that extra effort. I think they did it. I think they figured it out. And, and it's really, really scary for the rest of the country right now because when Georgia figures it out, just watch out. That's the best roster, I think, right now in the country. And, and just, uh, I mean, look, this is a dangerous Georgia team. They're peaking at the right time. They're playing really good football. I wouldn't want to be anybody playing the Georgia Bulldogs right now. I would not want to be on the tracks when the Georgia train is coming through. Absolutely right. And Mm -hmm. I think you're also right about the Brock Bowers injury. I think it is a blessing in disguise because the offense was definitely predicated upon force feeding him the football early in this season. And when teams were able to scheme around that, it made it very difficult on Georgia to move the football and put up points in bunches, but, you know, forcing themselves to adapt, forcing themselves to find secondary weapons. Lad McConkey stepped up over the last couple of weeks. He, um, you know, a couple other guys, the ground game got going a little bit more yeah, consistently. Yeah. So yeah, it's been huge for Georgia to find other ways to move the football, other ways to score points and well, still have that defense to fall back on. No one in the country is looking as strong as Georgia right now going into the final couple of weeks of the season. 
And, and I think it was so good for Carson Beck to be able to really develop his game, develop his chemistry with some other receivers and not have to depend on a safety blanket, right? He's a, he's a young quarterback coming into the season saying, all right, this is my chance. This is my time to take over or, or two time defending champions. It's a lot of expectations on him. And, and he rightly so probably just looked down there and said, Oh, I've got this massive human, this absolute monster of a football player. I can throw it up for him and it's fine. And, and I mean, look, you can get away with that. Brock Bowers is elite. He is as good a tight end as we've seen in this game for a while. But it's really good for Carson Beck to be able to develop his game a little bit more, look to his receivers, find his checkdowns, and, and learn how to play quarterback, not just how to throw the ball to Brock Bowers. And so uh, I, I'm excited to see where this goes for Georgia. I'm really curious to see kind of what their ceiling is. Obviously, the ceiling is winning the championship, but I want to know how good they can look and just how dominant they can look against some of these other teams. I'm excited to see what happens for Georgia on the way out this year. Well, Georgia obviously has closed out their conference portion of the schedule. They face Georgia Tech next week in good, clean, old-fashioned hate. And it's a date with the Crimson Tide in Atlanta. Classic battle between those two in the SEC championship once again on deck in the first weekend in December. Garrett, let's move on to – let's do the next two in a combo platter because they're playing each other next week. and. You can't talk about one without the other. Michigan 31, Maryland 24, Ohio State 37, Minnesota 3. Um, we'll start with the Wolverines, and I kind of want to work into both of these here. My overarching question here is who has the edge going into the game? Because, you know, Michigan, you look at the score on its surface, 31-24, and you think, wow, Maryland kept it close. That's a little concerning for Michigan going into this game uh, against Ohio State next week. But watching this game, it never really felt like Michigan was out of control to me. They had two safeties on defense. The defense was suffocating. Talia was running for his life the entire time, made some mistakes. They had a defensive uh, – they had a defense – yeah, they had a defensive score. Mm, Maryland's defense stepped up and made plays too, though. J.J. McCarthy was really uncomfortable. This was by far his worst game of the entire season. And, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, you're thinking that couldn't happen at a worse time going into the Ohio State game next week. But, again, all in all, though, it it never felt to me like Michigan was going to lose this game. Yeah, it it seemed comfortable. It seemed like, yes, this team's going to find a way to pull it out. But, man, it just – it stayed – just a little too close to really, you know, kick your feet back and say, you know what, it's fine, right? And so, man, when you're talking about both these teams, you're talking about Michigan and Ohio State going into this game, I don't know who I'd rather be right now. Obviously, Michigan, they haven't lost this game since, what, before COVID happened. So, like, it's been a while since they've ended up losing this game. They're at home, um, and they've looked really good the majority of the season. So I don't think that you can say that if you're a Michigan fan, you feel bad about this game. Today didn't help. Today did not help the way that you're feeling. McCarthy didn't look very good. He was obviously pressured by that Maryland front. Maryland's front did a really good job kind of creating some chaos and getting in the backfield and making him run around a little bit, get off his platform and and make some awkward throws. And he made some of them. He, He definitely made some plays in this game. But I don't think that helps when you realize just what Ohio State's bringing next week and that they're bringing a really good defensive unit that could give you some problems. Um, and, and then, of course, on the other side, if you're Ohio State, I think you feel a lot better about things today 
but then you have to remember that you beat up on a on a Minnesota team that's not all that good and you know there's a there's you know it's it's kind of a slow start not really a slow start but I think it was like 13 nothing at halftime like they hadn't scored a whole bunch of points and they really turned it up in the third quarter they came out scoring a bunch in the third quarter but I just don't think if you're either of these teams you can feel a hundred percent comfortable I think you look at the other team and and I think this is going to be what most fans do is they're going to point at the other team this year a lot more than they're going to point at their own team because there's weaknesses on both sides there's definitely things to be taken advantage of on both sides, but whoever wins this will have, I mean, massive momentum and a massive inside track getting into the playoff. I take you back to week 12 of 2022 because on that same week, Michigan struggled with Illinois at home, barely beat the Illini 19 to 17 Ohio state. Ironically, beats Maryland by a couple of scores. And I think Ohio State fans were probably getting a little confident at the end of the game that after those two performances on the same week. And lo and behold, we saw what happened on the field in Columbus last year. So before you get too overconfident about these results, Buckeyes fans, just remember 2022. It wasn't uh, wasn't that long ago that a similar situation unfolded. And look, this is kind of the big talking point is this is one that Ryan Day needs to win. He <laughs> They haven't won this game since before COVID. It's been a while, right? They're on, Michigan's on a two-game win streak, and then they didn't play it that year that the, the COVID shut things down to a short schedule. So uh, it's it's been a while. There's been a lot that's happened since the last time Ohio State has won this game, and they have to do it on the road. And, and here's kind of my X factor on this. This is going to be a Michigan team with a chip on their shoulder for some reason. I know that they're playing into the whole, you know, free Harbaugh thing, but he already accepted his fate and all it's if you can play into that from a team dynamic, it doesn't matter what the truth is. It matters what your guys are thinking and feeling when they're on the on the field. It's right? the same so, thing with Georgia being treated as the underdog last right, year. Right. Like Georgia was in no circumstance last year supposed to be the underdog. They're the defending champs, the the quarterbacks returning, they've got talent all over the field, and they should have been the favorites to win the whole thing. Likewise, this year, Harbaugh deserves what he's getting. It seems like it's pretty bad, and you know, I'm curious to see what else comes out by the end of this whole thing. It's, it's become like a high school drama situation. But, I mean, if you can make your players feed off of that, you know, if, if they can feed off of that energy and, oh, we're going to do this for coach, you know, win one for the Gipper. They just got their thousandth win. Let's make it a thousand and one, right? I mean, if you can feed into that, do whatever you have to. Go get your guys ready and hyped up to play this game. Yeah, did want to highlight that. Thank you for bringing that up. 1,000th win in program history for the Michigan Wolverines today. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. Congratulations. Hats off to that program for that. And, you know, it's going to be a fascinating game once again. I think Ohio State has shown. We'll break it down in full, of course, in the preview episode this week. But, you know, time and time again, Ohio State has shown that they are a physical team this year. This is not last year the year before is Ohio State team that just gets pushed around they have been more physical committed to establishing that identity this year and I think Ryan Day talking about people with chips on their shoulder Ryan Day has a massive chip on his shoulder this year that comes through each and every week so I'm fascinated to see how that game plays out Ohio State 37 Minnesota 3 today very very impressive for the Buckeyes another team that seems to be turning it on at the right time. We'll go through the other contenders here really quickly. Um, I'm going to lump these scores together and we can talk about them individually here, but Texas 
26, Iowa State 16, Oregon 49, Arizona State 13, Florida State 58, North Alabama 13, and Alabama 66, Chattanooga 10. Garrett, let's start with the Longhorns because I wrote in our don't stock, Texas continues to unimpressively win, but here they are. They're winning. They are 10-1, and headed into the last week of the season. They take on Texas Tech next week at home for a shot to keep their college football playoff hopes alive. And, you know, after the Oklahoma game, we said that they had to win out. They had to do it impressively. They've done one of those things. And we'll see if winning out is enough because it certainly hasn't been impressive. I know they lost Quinn Ewers, but even with Quinn Ewers returning, it hasn't exactly looked like they're setting the world on fire. Well, it's because they haven't been setting the world on fire. Like, it's undeniable that, like, Texas is back technically. I mean, they're back in the conversation. They're back, you know, competing for a playoff. I mean, I guess it's the first time they've competed for, like, the playoff. But they're back competing for the national title again. They're, they're in the hunt. Um, you know, they're looking good. They could go 11-1 and one with a win over a not very good Texas Tech team. Um, and, and, you know, they pull that off. That's a great season. 11-1 is a great season. At worst, you're playing in, like, what, the Sugar Bowl? Yeah, that, that's a great year. And still, they don't feel back like you don't turn on the tape and the Texas Longhorns look like one of the most dominant teams in the country. And like everyone should cower before them. Right. That's not what they look like when you just turn on the tape. They have some good moments. They'll have you know massive plays where you're like, oh, wow, this is awesome. They Here they come. And then the next play, it looks better. Like I remember a perfect example of this in tonight's game against Iowa State. Had a big catch along the side, is wide open. I think Worthy was wide open. And he catches it, and there he goes. He's down the sideline, and then they hit an end around on the next play. And he's rushing down. He's inside the fifteen, inside the ten, and the defender puts a hat on a ball, and out goes the ball, and it squirts around on the ground, and then it's Iowa State's ball, and there goes your drive. Right, it's all over. And I'm just looking at that. I'm like, this, this just feels like Texas football, right? They're gonna do a lot of stuff right. And they're just going to, you know, they can't stop from shooting themselves in the foot sometimes. It's just kind of what they're doing this year. Um, sure seems like they haven't been able to execute very well and, and you know, finish drives and punch it in when they need to. They had some issues with that against BYU a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think Texas is good. They're, they're a lot better. They're certainly, you know, back in the conversation. But in terms of teams I'd feel confident about right now and, and the national picture, I don't think that if I'm a Texas fan, I feel great and confident about where my team sits going into this last little bit. They're, they're in a good position, but they haven't necessarily given you anything on the field that makes you think, oh, they'll go and beat Washington or Oregon, or they'll, they'll go toe-to-toe with Georgia, or uh, they, they can go in and beat up on a Michigan or an Ohio State, whoever ends up making it. That It doesn't seem like Texas is in that conversation. Yeah, I totally agree, and they need a lot of help to just to get there. They need a chaos scenario, quite frankly. They need Oregon's. They need to be big Oregon State Beaver fans next week. Then they need to be Oregon Duck fans. They need to be Florida Gator fans. They need to be Alabama Crimson Tide fans. I think their best case. Look, for a lot of their fan base, it's going to be really easy to just switch out hats. That's what they've been doing for the last several you know years Ooh. since they haven't been back. And they're better this year. And, and just to be clear, for the diehard Longhorn fans that have been sticking with your team through Charlie Strong and Tom Herman and everything, and Mensa and, and Pole Assassin and everything, for y'all, y'all deserve this. I'm super happy for y'all. But you and I both know here in the state of Texas, there's a lot of people that put on a burnt orange hat that we're wearing TCU purple and Baylor green <laughs> and, and 
anything but Texas Longhorns merch the last decade or so. Let's let's be completely honest with those bandwagon fans. They'll have no problem finding an Oregon Duck hat or, or a Florida hat or, or, you know, an Alabama hat if they need the upset over Georgia. They have no problem with that. Yeah, uh, racking up the rewards points at Lids for sure. Um, man, th- this morning Texas fans had to be wondering what they did to deserve the shot that they had with the pole assassin uh, on college crazy. game day. Like that, was crazy. that today's college game day was a salute to message board posters everywhere. It was so many little neat it's references what the post turning into slowly, and I don't know if I like it or not. <laughs> well. It's doing it one way or another. I know my wife was not happy with the guest picker setup, and uh, she's not a big fan of Pat McAfee either. So PFT and Pat McAfee being right next to each other was just a little too much for her this morning to start her Saturday. But I thought they did great chemistry-wise. So, uh, again, uh, bearing the lead here just a little bit, Texas did win the game 26-16. to The defense was dominant. Offense, you know, they put up yards, but they struggled to finish drives. Ohio State got a couple takeaways, and, you know, it was a typical 2023 Longhorn game in my mind. Struggle to finish drives, don't look overly impressive, but the defense gets it done, steps up, and they made life miserable for a young freshman quarterback tonight. It was really hard for uh, Iowa State to move the ball. Yeah, it, it not a good night overall. I mean, Iowa State hung in this game, um, and you have to give Beck a lot of credit. He kept him in this game with his arm because they could not run the football. I think they – they finished with like nine net rushing yards on the ground. Did did Iowa State? Yeah. Um, and so it's it's not not an inspiring effort by any means on the ground. So you got to give massive props to that Texas defense. But you know it's it's just it hasn't seemed like it's all the way back with guys like Quinn right now. Like he he turned it on a little bit in the second half and looked a lot better then. But man, that first half was ugly. I mean, it's what six to three going in or, or something like that. It just not not a great first half. Definitely a slow start. I know that Ames has given the Longhorns problems the last several years. So to get out of Ames, I'm sure a lot of Longhorns fans are just, I mean, <laughs> praising the Lord that they got out of Ames unscathed. And that they and never have to play there again. And they're so excited. <laughs> they're like, I will take Ames, whatever. Stillwater, Manhattan, yeah. like, oh, Texas yeah, they're getting so some, excited. They don't need to exercise any demons. They're just going to run away from the house like a smart person. They're just going <laughs> to get out of the, they're going to get out of that horror movie. And I guess move on to the SEC where they can develop new demons like Starkville or I don't know something. I don't know. It's going to give them problems. We'll see. But no, big win for Texas, obviously, to go on the road and win. That was the thing that I thought today for a lot of these teams was just you found a way to survive. Yes. It's this late in the season. You're starting to get banged up or maybe you got guys coming back off of injury that hadn't played in a little while or. Or, or whatever it is. If you can just survive and keep going and keep your season alive, you have to give massive credit for that. And, and for that, Texas definitely gets credit because they survived in a weird situation where they didn't play their best football game, but they found a way to get it done. Have to give them credit. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the last three true contenders here. Oregon just destroyed Arizona State. It was 42 to nothing at halftime. They win 49 to 13. Bo Nix cemented himself as a Heisman, true Heisman candidate, and he can win the award over the last couple weeks for sure with games against Oregon State and Washington. Uh, Florida State's win over North Alabama, obviously overshadowed by the devastating injury to Jordan Travis that we talked about off the top. Huge prayers to him. We're praying for a speedy recovery. It did not look good on the field. I hate that they kept showing it on the CW and that it was all over Twitter because it was just gruesome. Uh, It was a game... And, you know, lost in that situation, he was out there trying to make a play because 
they were down 13 nothing to start that game. And I know they rattled off, what was it, 58 unanswered to win that game going away. But Jordan Travis is scrambling and, you know, moving the ball downfield there because his team's down 13 nothing early. So, you know, you hate to play the what if game, but if you come out with your head on straight, don't fall down 13 nothing. Maybe Jordan Travis isn't running around and you're setting yourself up for more success. I know we'll never know, and I don't want to play the alternate universe game here, but, you know, come out, come out strong in these games. These games still matter. They still count. And it's still football. Like these things can happen even when you're playing a three and nine FBS or FCS team. Yeah. And it's, it's why we put these games on the field and not just play them on paper because anything can happen. Um, Obviously Florida state wins this one, but, Look, like circumstances happen. This is this is just not the way you want your season to end if it's Florida State. It feels almost like it's over tonight. Like it it feels like without Jordan Travis, even if you make the playoff, even if you put out a decent product, even if you go and you beat Florida next week and you go and you win your conference and you're undefeated, you go in to get your playoff spot, it just kind of feels like it's over. Like it doesn't feel like Florida State can win now. That when they go up against Georgia, when they go up against Oregon, Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, whoever ends up winning this, whenever they go up against those teams, it just doesn't feel like they're going to have a chance. It doesn't feel like they're going to be able to do what they need to because Jordan Travis is such a huge part of that team and what they do. So, I mean, it just sucks. And, and like, and we don't want to play the, the what ifs game, right? Like, because if they come out and they're big, maybe he scrambles anyways. He's a stud, right? Yeah. Like, this is what happens. And it's a freak injury, right? There's like, there's no way that he was, you know, trying to go down like that, trying to get spun up like that, trying to get crushed over like that. Like it's, it's just a freak injury, man. And it's, it's something you hate to see. Um, I definitely hated the fact that it kept getting shared around socials because it was awful. Like it's just awful moment to be in that spot. I know those injuries can be devastating just emotionally on the players and you know what it means for your season and what it means for your team. And you feel like you could be letting people down, just, just a horrible situation there for Florida state. So hoping that they can get back on the ball, hoping the backup can get a good week of practice and maybe keep Florida State in this thing, but they won't be the same. Um, They still still have that receiving core and they still have that defense that can keep them in game. If Keon Coleman's on your sideline, you still got a big play in the wide receiver core. On the Bo Nix front, though, I want to go back to that. I think I saw this. Scored six touchdowns all in the first half. Yep. It's disgusting. I don't don't even think he took a snap in the second half, if I'm remembering correctly. And and he didn't need to. I mean, he was dominant. So, look, and there's some awesome performances this weekend. Bo Nix had the best of the bunch. Bo Nix was as good as you can be on the stage that he was on. I mean, obviously doing this on the road, pretty massive. And I think should be the Heisman front runner because of what he's been able to do. I think – you're going to watch this next week. He might have his Heisman moment in the in the big, you know, rivalry game, platypus, whatever we're talking. I don't know what we're calling it now. But I think this could be a Heisman moment. Um, and then, obviously, conference championships, that happens before they, they you know, send the trophies. So, you know, get that big conference championship moment, beat Washington, get it, get out of there with a win, get the playoffs. This could be his trophy. And, and if that were true, and I just want to paint this picture sort of as a narrative, Bo Nix, even just sitting in New York for this award, can we acknowledge how awesome that is? Because after he left Auburn, he looked washed up, hope he can just find a place to settle. You know, he's not very good. And then it turns out that might have just been an Auburn problem. (laughs) And and for him to turn around his career the way that he did, his first game with Oregon getting stomped by Georgia, to turn it into this, I mean – 
a heck of a story. One of my favorite college football stories I've seen in a long time, and I'm absolutely a Bo Nix fan at this point. Bill Belichick's going to draft him in the third round and win a Super Bowl with him next year, isn't he? A Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> He'll win a couple Super Bowls if he drafts Bo Nix. That's a good team, but you know, always just kind of a quarterback away since Brady's left. Bo Nix could be very good in New England. <laughs> he just seems like a New England quarterback to me. Yeah. But we'll talk about drafts when we get there. Uh, yeah, there Alabama 66, Chattanooga 10. I watched 0.0 seconds of that game. And oh, I will uh, maybe tune into a little bit of the Iron Bowl next week if it's a close I'll watch game. a little bit. It's, yeah, it's I'll the probably... Iron Bowl. You got to watch a little bit. You got to watch Bama score a couple and embarrass Auburn a little bit. And then, you know, you know what happens? Find something else. All right. Um, <laughs> Gary, let's go to the ACC because they do have our last semi-contender that's still technically alive. Louisville tried their best to lose to Miami today. Uh, they, they end up pulling it out 38, 31. It seemed like in the second half at one point, neither team really wanted to win this game, at least on the defensive side of the ball. It was a fun back and forth game for both of the offenses, but you know, Louisville has found their way to 10 and one. No shade at that, right? Like 10 and one is 10 and one is 10 and one. Just like we talked about with Washington, you're undefeated at this point in the year, you're going to be ranked at the top deservedly. So, um, but I find myself really concerned about their chances, even against a backup quarterback of Florida state and they struggle with Kentucky historically. I know it's a new coach, but coach Stoops over at over in Lexington has had the Cardinals number for a good chunk of his career there. So, you know, 10 and uh, nine and one, excuse me, is a fantastic start. 10 and one, they are 10 and one now. 10 and one is a fantastic situation. Obviously it's a great first year for Jeff Brown. Like he has that program trending in the right direction, but you know, for this year, do they have any chance at all? If they went out, do they have any chance at all of making the college football playoff in your mind? I don't think so. And and when you look at it on the face, it's not fair, right? It's not fair to say that if you're a one loss conference champion, that you should be out outside of a bunch of undefeateds and, and all that, right? You should be in, you should do that. That that should be your situation. But man, doesn't it just feel like they're gonna let the one like the one loss Georgia if they lose, or like the the one loss Ohio State or Michigan if they end up losing the game and they don't play the conference? Doesn't it just feel like one of them gets in instead? Yeah. It, it just kind of feels like that's the situation. And I don't necessarily think that's fair. But that is what the committee does. And what the committee is going to say is, well, yeah, you beat Florida State, but whatever. They didn't have Jordan Travis, so who cares? And that's not fair because you can only play the team that's in front of you. But, look, this is still a great season here for Louisville. And I know I've been talking about how you can never go back and talk to your exes, but I'm telling you what, Trey, it's late on a Saturday night right now as we, we sit here and do this show. We're sending a few drunk texts tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm looking over on this screen. I'm you seeing – I'm seeing Louisville and, and I'm telling you, man, I I just kind of want to talk. I just kind of want to see where it all went wrong and <laughs> maybe just, I, I just want to talk, you know, I just, I'm a little lonely. I think we deserve another shot. I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying I'm going that direction, but man, Louisville has impressed me. I have not given Jack Plummer nearly enough credit. He's um, been really he, solid this year. He, he, really he knows that system game. well, but he's yeah, been he, more than he, a system he quarterback. Great. Like yeah. he, he 308 passing, uh, three touchdowns. He did throw a pig, but a 92 QBR. That'll get it done. And he technically got outpassed by Tyler Van Dyke, who played better than I expected him to. 
Um, but I mean, still, it was it was a great performance from Jack Plummer. Great job keeping them in this thing. Nobody else really stood out on the Louisville side, and and you know, that's that's just kind of what this game was. It wasn't particularly inspiring. There wasn't necessarily a team that won this game outright, but Plummer had his team over the top, and I think that he should deserve more credit for what's going on than he's getting. Certainly more than I've given him so far this year. So I'm I'm excited to see where they can go from here. Um, and I hope that they get a chance. Like, I hope that if they're a 12 and one conference champion, that they're not going to just put in Texas because they look a little better or, or just put in Michigan. Cause even though they lost the game, they're still pretty good and had a better resume overall. Like, I hope they don't do that. Right. I hope that they will give a conference champion a shot, whether or not they're looking like the better team or whatever. I hope they give them a shot because of the resume. It should mean something to win your conference. And I hope that they give them a shot if they do. Well, if it is, if it somehow came down to Louisville versus Michigan, like let's say Louisville goes 12 and one and Michigan is 11 and one, mm-hmm. Louisville would have the better resume. It would literally just be, if Michigan got in, it would be yes. because of the logo. Because Michigan, if they lose to Ohio State, you're looking at a Michigan team that beat a flawed Penn State team. And yeah, but Penn State who's has the logo next too. best win. No, after but that. Penn State has the logo too. That's the point. Right. Is Penn right. State's got and the that's logo. That's why the twelve team playoff is really, really good because Louisville yep. would be playing yep. for an they get a bid. chance. They get yeah. a chance. They're playing well. They, they, you know, they didn't have the resume because oh, it's not their fault that they can only beat up on like what Virginia or like whoever else is in the ACC. Well, and they beat okay. Notre Dame like a drum. Yes. They would have beaten Florida State in that 12 and 1 scenario and no one else mm-hmm. has been able to beat Florida State this year. Yep. So like that that would be a better resume than Michigan in Kentucky. I mean that that would be the situation there. So it just yeah. yeah, we need to get to that 12 team like yesterday. Like that needs to happen so fast. Um and it's yeah, it it makes these games more meaningful. I know that people don't get this, but it makes it more meaningful because more teams play more meaningful games. And now all of a sudden Louisville versus Kentucky is a game people have to watch because Louisville's trying to stay in the playoff hunt, right? Right. And, and Louisville should stay in this. And, and, and Kentucky's trying to knock their arch rival out of the playoff. Yeah, that exactly. Point. That could be a Which huge They moment. technically, I guess, are this week. But, you sure. know, I I do, you know, moving on. Time, you don't really know. And nobody really right. thinks they're going to make it anyway. So it's it's a shame. I can't wait for the 12-team playoff. We'll have to wait for that for next season, though, because, you know, it's you know, whatever. It's what it is. Well, talking about the losing team, the Hurricanes, really quickly, I would be livid if I was a Miami fan after this game because I don't know how much you watched of this game down the stretch, but it was a quintessential Mario Cristobal choke job. And his team was just undisciplined down the stretch in this game. Two personal foul penalties at crucial times that uh, uh, they uh, Louisville was going to get the ball like basically on the goal line after Miami came up short, but the receiver that got beat and got covered well on a fourth and goal opportunity, you know, threw a half punch at the DB that was covering him personal foul, 15 yards back, uh, pushed them off the goal line. And yeah. And then another personal foul backs them up when they're trying to tie the game at 38. So just a really undisciplined finish. And then the go, the winning touchdown, two defensive backs just collided together and essentially committed targeting on each other to fall down and just spring open a wide open uh, catch and run. So I would be livid. I would be throwing things at that point if I was a Miami fan, because it's just, it was just a quintessential Mario Cristobal game. And that's what it do. 
That's the you now, I guess. I do want to shout out Xavier Estrepilo, though. Like, he had a great game through the air, 193 receiving yards and a touchdown. That yes. ain't nothing to sneeze at. So, shout out to you, Estrepo. And, you know, m- maybe at some point this team will start acting like a normal football team and it won't act, you know, like their head coach that's coaching them. But, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Battered Aggie comment of the week. He has not looked that good since Josh DeBerry was trying to cover him. All right. Let's move on to the rest of the ACC. Notre Dame 45, Wake Forest 7. Clemson got a nice win over North Carolina, 31 to 20. Clemson. Clemson started, they, they were favored in this one, but Clemson's starting to look better as the season closes out. Maybe building some momentum for next year. Good job. Uh, you could finish eight and four. They could. I mean, that that's better than we thought they were gonna finish a few weeks yep. ago. We were wondering if they could get to a bowl game a couple weeks ago. Uh yep, yep. Virginia 30, Duke 27. I know that there's a lot of distractions in Raleigh right now with a certain coaching opening in College Station, but you got to beat the Cavaliers this year. Yeah. I know, I know, I, I didn't watch any of this game confession, but you got to beat the Cavaliers. It's the second time that Mike Elko has lost to Virginia as the head coach of Duke in two years. So maybe this is just a, bugaboo that he's going to have to struggle to get over as long as he stays there well and and to be fair i think virginia's been playing better like they've been playing better football down the stretch they barely lost to louisville last week they they i mean they got kind of stomped by georgia tech but that was an even numbered week so that was supposed to happen um miami they barely lost to miami and they did win two in a row against north carolina and then william and mary so that was a couple wins um and i want to point out calandria is actually playing pretty good football too like he had a, a pretty good game in that first half against Maryland when they lost that one early in the season and kind of into the season, he's coming on. He's not looking too bad. He played pretty well in this one as well. So, you know, I think this is a better Virginia team, but you are correct that if you're Duke, you have to beat them. You have to play better. Um, And I know that circumstances have not been ideal down the stretch for Duke, but you still got to be able to find a way to rally and beat this Virginia team. So disappointing to say the least, but you know, good job for Virginia and, yeah, they could finish four and eight this year with a little win next week. That'd be fun. Yeah. And, you know, the counterparts, moving on to our next game, the counterparts in the state of Virginia fell to NC State 35 to 28, uh, the Wolfpack over the Hokies. Garrett, NC State is eight and three. <laughs> and I had no idea that that was a true. It statement. feels weird. It feels it, weird do. to say that they could finish with like nine wins this year. They could. Yeah. They could very easily be. And with the bowl game. They could beat North Carolina next week. They could go to a really solid bowl game, have a shot at 10 wins, and that does not feel accurate for how I have perceived their season this year. But again, your record, you are what your record says you are at this point. Do you, do you know who led this game in rushing? I do not. Brennan Armstrong. Wow. He led this game in rushing 89 yards, two touchdowns. So, well, congratulations. Brennan Armstrong got benched two weeks ago and then hit the guy that replaced him said, nah, I don't really want to play for this team anymore. I'm going to exercise my red shirt option and (laughs) enter the transfer portal at the end of this year. And here they are with a shot at 10 wins. So Dave Doran hats off to you, sir. Like that, that is an incredible job keeping that ship afloat um, down the stretch here. Garrett, do you want to go solo for this next one? Oh boy, do I. Let's go. Let's click this little solo layout real quick. Georgia Tech fans, stand up. Mitch, I'm so sad you can't be here. 
on this one. Man, I wish we could be doing this together. I wish this could be the double layout. Trey's a hater. We don't, you know, we don't acknowledge this whatsoever right now. This is all my show. Georgia Tech making a bowl game. I love this for Georgia Tech. Look, th- this team was one that I wrote the preview article for, and I knew they had the pieces on offense to make this thing go. Haynes King coming in from Texas A&M, a talented quarterback, both with his arm and on the ground. Looks like Jimbo Fisher was holding him back, not just the rest of the Aggies. He was holding him back <laughs> because Haynes King, he's been fantastic for them. He's been so good for them. He hasn't lit up the scoreboard, but when you watch the games, he's just a leader. He's just willing his team to victory. He's forcing his team where they need to be. Georgia Tech wins this one 31-22 over Syracuse. Syracuse is not good. I'll continue to maintain that. But look, I'm so excited for this. The, the end of the game tells you what you need to know about Georgia Tech. At the very end of this game, they, they do the interview with Coach Brickkey, and he goes out there and he says, you know, they say, hey, Coach, this is the sixth time you've done this. You're officially bull eligible. What does it mean to your program? And he's choked up. Right? He's choked up. He's starting to get a little teary. You know, they follow Haynes King into the locker room on the camera shot, and everyone in the locker room is just ecstatic. This is a program, and and this is my talking point in the preview magazine. This is a program who's had to deal with their in-state rival win back-to-back national championships and had to just sit there and watch it while their team sucked for the last couple of years. And now they're resurging. They're, they're, they're not where Georgia is. I'm not going to say that, obviously. But they're making a bowl game. They're going to go play the dogs next week in their house. It's going to be great vibes regardless. They're back in a bowl game for the first time since 2018. I will be watching that bowl game. Mitch will be watching that bowl game. Trey doesn't get to watch that bowl game. You're not allowed to. What? No, what? no. I, no I, I bowl game for you. You didn't want it. You don't get it now. I didn't say I didn't want it. I just didn't think that they could get there. And, hey, well, you guys – then if you guys – if I can't watch Georgia Tech's bowl game, you guys over. can't watch Iowa State's bowl game because I was That's banging fair. the bowl bound cyclone drum. Look, you guys the after watching me. Iowa State tonight against Texas, I'll I'll take that deal. Hey, you you you're lost for not getting to watch Rocco in a bowl game. That's, so that's yeah, right. no hats off to Georgia Tech, man. I will eat my crow. I you know it was a rocky path. It was a rocky road for the Ramblin' Wreck, but they got there. Sure. They got there, and huge, huge, huge for Coach Key to get that in his first year. Stock is trending definitely up for the Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. Um, in the new new look ACC next year. So it'll be fascinating to see how that goes. Um, Garrett, let's move on to the Big 12 because every single game it seemed like, save for the Blue Bonnet battle or whatever the heck they're trying to brand that <laughs> as, every other game had its moments this week in one of the craziest conferences known to man. Oklahoma barely survived their first trip to Provo, and only oh. trip to Provo as a uh, conference mates with the BYU Cougars 31-24. BYU had every chance to win this game. They were driving to take the lead um and they threw a pick six on the goal line. It was like a 100 or a 99-yard pick six that completely flipped this game on the head. 14-point swing. Huge huge momentum swift swing to Oklahoma that ultimately helped them win that game. Sunflower Showdown was a ranked matchup for the first time since 1995. Kansas jumped out to a big lead, but Kansas State uh, came back to win 31-27 at home, keep their Big 12 title hopes alive. And Oklahoma State, 43-30, to 
They were down 23-9 to at one point in this game, rallied, came back. The second half was all Oklahoma State as they roar back to take this one in Houston. Uh, any thoughts on the three teams uh, still tied for second place as we head into the last week of the season? Look, this was a fun day in the Big 12. I'm going to start with Oklahoma State. Ollie Gordon tees up once again, kind of making his return. I know he technically played, but didn't look very good. Um, this game, 25 carries, 164 yards, three touchdowns. He's just back to doing Ollie Gordon things. He, he definitely not 100%, but the fact that he can do this on not 100% is pretty fantastic. Um, so way to go, Ollie Gordon and Oklahoma State on that one, getting a win. It shouldn't feel big over Houston, but when it keeps you in this conversation, you, you got to take what you can, right? Again, it's survive in advance. The Kansas State-Kansas game was crazy. I had so much fun watching this one. They had, what, like four lead changes in this one, I think. It was it, it was so hard because it was one of like seven games that were like that in oh, yeah. this late window. So, you know, you're flipping back and forth. It was impossible not to miss something. But, you know, I ended up keeping it right. locked on this one for a lot longer. Yeah, well, at, at one point in the third quarter, Kansas led this thing, even midway through the third quarter, 27 to 16. Kansas State just kind of claws back into this one. Um, goes up 31-27 early in the fourth and just never looked back. It was That was the end of the game right there. They just kind of traded some good defensive possessions, and that was that. So um, massive props to Kansas State for rallying back, getting this win over Kansas, obviously in a, in a big rivalry spot there. So um, need to win those especially. Um, but, yeah, it, it, the underlying theme here, again, is it keeps them alive in the Big 12 race. It keeps them in a position to get back to Arlington, right? This is a game that they played in last year, so that's a big spot for them as well. And Oklahoma, man, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> can we talk about this? Oklahoma does not look good. Oklahoma's in trouble. They fell uh, off big. Oklahoma's in trouble next year. I, I, I fear. I feel pretty confident saying that. Short of you know, pretty massive overhaul of the roster through the transfer portal well but what have they shown because i was going to say that too what have they shown you this year that says like oh i want to go play for oklahoma they beat texas i mean that I, that's a big statement win and they're going to win 10 games if they can they're going to go 10 and 2 and that's a big improvement for brent venables like jumping up four win. i think people forget that they went six and six last year that, six fair. and seven counting the bowl game so jumping up if they're able to beat tcu jump up four wins in one year. That's a huge upward trajectory. That, that is fair. That is fair. But I mean, you're right. Like it's not done in a pretty way. So, right. and the competition level takes a stiff jump next year. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how Oklahoma adjusts to that. Those three teams next week, it's going to be fascinating to see how all of it sorts out right now. Thanks to the new tiebreaker clarification, uh, Oklahoma state would take on Texas in the big 12 title game. Next week, TCU travels to Norman looking to get bowl eligible. That's an 11 a.m. kick on Black Friday. Norman's going to be a little sleepy. I don't know. It's going to be a yep, tricky yep. game. Kansas Stay State has Kansas State's at home, but it's Farmageddon, a big rivalry. And Oklahoma State hosts a plucky BYU team who's also looking to get bowl eligible. And they have not looked, you know, overly confident with this quote unquote soft schedule that we yep. laid out. Uh, a couple weeks ago. So Look, they, you go and you beat Oklahoma. That's great. You get curb stomped by UCF. You come back, you beat up Houston. I don't know what to expect out of Oklahoma State next who week. Knows? Who knows? And especially if Ollie Gordon, you know, goes down again, God forbid for them. Yeah. So Or isn't 100%, can't repeat. Yeah. Right. So who knows what's going to happen there? 
Um, elsewhere in the Big 12, you had Neil Brown syndrome right uh, raging on, beating Cincinnati, a hapless Cincinnati team this year, 42-21, to 21, doubling them up. The Blue Bonnet battle, I, I don't even want to call it that. That's the rivalry in my book. TCU all over Baylor, 42-17. It's going to be decision time for Baylor in the next couple weeks. I feel they, they've got a big program-defining decision on if they're going to keep Dave Aranda around over the next couple weeks. And then lastly, Texas Tech. I want to ask uh, you a related question on that game real yeah, quick. Is go that ahead. shield really the trophy? Yes, allegedly. That's, that's I mean, awful. TCU didn't even post a picture of it. And I saw their fans calling them out for that online. Like, hey, surely this rebrand that you spent mil- uh, thousands of dollars on some consultant to go through. Right. Uh, surely you've got a picture of that trophy, right? Like, well, you know, I, I saw it when because one of their, I think one of their players was showing it off and they ran back with it and I saw it. It honestly looks like something that if like TCU was going to do a cringy like Avengers skit for their freshman for welcome week. <laughs> That would be the shield that Captain TCU or Captain Hornfrog wears or something. Oh my goodness. It was so like it was not good. It's it, bad. it looked like somebody painted on it like two days ago and they like barely run to Hobby Lobby. So it just it, it was not a great trophy. I hope they put like an actual hardware piece together for this in the future. Uh, and there's was- so just to rant on this for a second, like as a Texan. Number one, no one is going to Waco or Fort Worth for blue bonnets. Like that, that's like not even wow. top 100 things to do. You're just like, you're, you're, you're grasping at straws there for right. alliteration. And like, there's so much other connection between those two schools and the history that they have. Like, that's the best that you could, like, right. that's a rant for another day. I hope right. that that doesn't Maybe Maybe we'll do that. We'll say we're going to rename some trophies and some rivalry games in the offseason. That might that be, would be a fantastic offseason yeah, yeah. episode. We'll start with Baylor TCU. We'll get the Civil War back, how it should yeah, be. Yeah, we'll get the Civil War back, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love that idea. We'll file that one away for later. Uh, West Virginia – Gets their seventh win of the season, Garrett, beating Cincinnati, doubling them up, 42-21. I just did Texas- I don't want to live on that timeline. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're living in that world, brother. We got to cope with it in some way. Uh, and Texas Tech gets bowl eligible against all odds at some points in the season. Texas Tech will be going bowling for back-to-back seasons. They beat newcomer UCF 24-23. It's another heartbreaking loss for UCF that, uh, I think they have one more shot at it next week. They're five and six now, but they just heartbreak after heartbreak for the Golden Knights in their first year in uh, Big 12, in the Big 12. Yeah, it, tough for them. I also don't really understand some of their social media decisions. They posted a their lost picture was just a picture of like a tortilla on the sideline. I was, it was a little confusing sure. to me. I don't really understand. I mean, I get that that's the thing that tech does, but. I don't know why you'd post that as your lost pick. I know you got to post something, but a tortilla? Like, what are we doing? I don't know. Sad don't know. tortilla. Uh, next week, they play Houston to get bowl eligible, and that is at home. So, I think they could get there. They could, anything can happen, I've learned, in the Big 12. So, never take anything for granted. Sure, that's for sure. Let's go to the Big 10. We'll round out these last couple of conferences here, pick up the pace just a bit. Penn State all over Rutgers. We questioned this line, but it was right on it. 27 to 6. Penn State over the Scarlet Knights. Iowa clinches the final Shadow Realm title. That is so fitting 
for the Hawkeyes and especially the 2023 Hawkeyes to win the last ever Shadow Realm title. They won 15 to 13 over Illinois, another game where the safety ended up being the difference in this one. Um, Michigan State gets a win over Indiana 24-21. And Northwestern and Wisconsin punched their tickets to bowl season. Northwestern against all odds, man. Like they were staring 1-11, and 2-10 in the face. Finished this season strong. They beat Purdue today 23-15. And Wisconsin beats Nebraska 24-17 in overtime. Nebraska will have one more chance against Iowa next week to make it to a bowl game in Matt Rule's first year. Uh, anything you want to hit on here in the Big Ten? Just a funny bit of uh, trivia here at the end of the day. Who do you think passed for the most yards today? J.J. McCarthy, <laughs> Drew Aller, or Deacon Hill? I already know the answer to this one. It was Deacon Hill. With 167. Yep. Drew Aller passed for like 79 yards today. Mm-hmm. And he didn't uh, need to. He, he, yeah, he I didn't, that, that wasn't part of their game plan, but it's – I'm sorry, you still get egg on your face when you pass for fewer yards than the Iowa Hawkeyes. And then J.J. McCarthy, obviously, we talked about that one earlier, just struggling to get anything going through the air. Tough day. Tough day. 15-13 to is the perfect score to clinch the final uh, Big Ten West title. With the early safety, too. With the early safety, it was 2 to nothing and 3-2 to for way too long. I thought Um, it was a Iowa final Iowa just always seems to get that one touchdown that they need right at the perfect time yeah. this year. Yeah. And uh we'll get to see them in Indianapolis. So that might be the last time we see them there for quite some time with the restructuring that's happening. So it probably will be. We they will savor it, I'm sure. Let's what, go what, back. Do they, do they want it to stay divisions and then they can play in the division with USC. UCLA, Washington, and Oregon every year? I don't know. No, they want they want a pod system like the NFL where their division is yeah, their, uh, their best path is that. They want Nebraska, Northwestern, Purdue as their <laughs> every year rivals. Uh mm-hmm. let's go back out west to the Pac 12. Uh Arizona all over Utah. They jumped out to an early 21 to nothing lead. They never really looked back 42 to 18. And Garrett, is it official? I I forgot to check. Is it official, or does Arizona need one more win? The tracking. Um, I'm looking at it, and it is official. Let's go. We it live in Arizona. Will finish the season with more wins than USC. Arizona is sitting at eight and three. USC loses. The battle for the victory bell, the last one, has Pac-12 members 38-20 to to UCLA. And Arizona will have more wins than a Caleb Williams. Yeah. Well, I guess UCLA technically could win their last game, and they could both finish with eight. But they're not finishing with fewer wins. And more more wins than Utah, or at least the same number as Utah. They're, They're right there. I mean... We talked about it a little bit in the preview. Like Arizona could be a little dangerous in next year's Texas-less and Oklahoma-less Big 12. Yeah. Um, it, it could be fun to watch this Arizona team keep going. If they can keep Jed Fish, I think he'll be a candidate for a lot of coaching openings that are coming this year because they're looking at the job he's doing. Uh, if they keep him and retain him and they can keep this team together, that's going to be a fun team to watch next year in the Big 12. Something tells me they will. I feel like Jed Fish is going to come in second for a lot of coaching opportunities this year. You're probably um, right. And the one that I would kind of pencil him in 
is maybe Mississippi State if they can't get Jamie Chadwell and they beat him head-to-head this year. So I don't know how the boosters would feel about that. What What do you mean? I don't think Jamie Chadwell's been in Starkville. <laughs> that was that he learned a lesson this week about uh welcome to privacy, right? settings yep uh if you don't know about that it's all over college football twitter uh jamie chadwell forgot to turn his location settings off and tweeted something from starkville mississippi this week so he learned a valuable lesson always check those <laughs> location settings kids back to ucla real quick did chip kelly save his job or was this just you know a fun little footnote on the way out Look, UCLA winning a game against USC is always going to feel good. This could be a real, you know, like a couple years ago in LSU, that you know, Orgeron kind of saved his job. And it could be a situation like this where he kind of saves his job and he should get fired. And I don't even know that he should get fired. I think he's doing just fine. But um, the recruiting's been really bad. I think the recruiting has been bad. Yeah, that's the main thing that the boosters are mad about at UCLA. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but look, I mean, you, you win these games that could help with recruiting. I mean, you won a game over USC. Everyone's watching, so that could help. I mean, there's there's ways to save his job. I, I It's not set in stone. I know that the rumors are out there that it, and it's leaked and everything else, but this isn't set in stone until they do it. So maybe go out, win next week, and, you know, you finish 8-4, and four, get in a decent bowl game, you know, flip a couple guys, get some guys in the portal. Could happen. Definitely could. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how, what kind of profile job that's viewed as in the coaching community. Uh, Cal wins the last iteration uh, of their rivalry game with Stanford 27 to 15. Last version in the Pac-12, I should say, as they move to the ACC next year. That's a silly statement, but it's true. I can't believe it. And Washington State gets bowl eligible and officially crushes Colorado's bowl dreams. 56 to 14 on Friday night. I was way off on this one. I thought Colorado would at least cover a four and a half point spread, but whoo, they, the things are broken. The wheels have come off officially in Boulder and yep. it'll be interesting to see how coach prime uh, settles things next year. The, the big thing with him is always the fact that it's a hype machine, right? The, the Colorado job is a hype machine. It's what he's doing. This isn't necessarily an extremely well-coached team. I'm sure that he's a good coach. I'm sure he puts his players in good positions, but it's not like he's been out-scheming his talent that much this year. This whole thing is a hype train, and if the hype is dead over the offseason, you could have problems, right? If if he can't generate enough hype with new conference and staying competitive and comparatively in this conference, who's going to gain the hype, right? Because, you know, let's go ahead and run some of these – situations let's say oklahoma state finds a way to win the conference right and you know they they go out there they beat texas and they win the conference oklahoma state's the hot team in the big 12 and then you also have teams like kansas and kansas state with good coaching staffs and a lot of talent and you you've got teams that are you know currently rising um and also the newcomers arizona looking really good and utah also a very good team well established so I mean, I just I don't know where the hype goes for Colorado in a much more, I think, much more competitive overall conference next year where there won't be nearly as many gimme wins on the schedule. Um, look, it is what it is. It's it's where they are. But if the hype dies, Colorado could be in trouble. They absolutely could. And what a lot of people have pointed out is Dion can't do what he did this past year again. Can't just flip everybody flip the complete roster over and get 80 new players. Well, again. Just doesn't work I mean, 
there's some good players on that but, roster. But well, can't. but he can't because none of those guys can transfer again. So unless he well, yeah, convinces yeah. them to retire from football, mm-hmm. they are in Boulder. So, yeah. I mean. He is kind of stuck in though. I hadn't actually thought about that. He is sort of stuck with his roster. This Obviously, is his he can make some moves, but his big thing is just he needs better guys on the line of scrimmage. Those guys can't just disappear. So unless you got a lot of guys ready to graduate, then you can't bring in a whole lot of new on the offensive line. So you just got to hope those guys gel, get better. We've seen it happen. Offensive lines can get better over an offseason if they just stay together. But you're still going to need better talent when you're going into a different conference. And I think a conference that will play a lot more physical on the line of scrimmage than what a lot of the Pac-12 does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Garrett, let's move to the SEC. Uh, Missouri and Florida played a barn burner. Mm-hmm. Missouri held on to win 33 to 31 game winning 30 yard field goal uh, by Harrison Mevis, the thicker kicker. They were calling him uh, Joe Tesla's nickname now officially in football. Amazing. And he is a thick boy. He, he can do that he, ball. He got it. Um, obviously he, he hit the, what was it? 65 yarder to beat K state earlier this year. He hits a 30 yarder to, uh, knock off the Florida Gators 33 to 31. Can we shout out Brady Cook's clutch gene? Yes. I mean, in, in big spots down the stretch in this game, the clutch gene to show up to, to hit the big passes. There are a couple of them to make this not just a stretch field goal, but a really comfortable field goal, um, including one to Cooper down the sideline. I mean, basically made this thing as easy as it was. So, um, shout out Brady Cook and his clutch gene. I'm excited to see what they can finish this season as because and they're looking at 10 and 2. Um, if if they can beat a not very good Arkansas team, uh, plus hope I hope they get a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl. That'd be so much fun. They, you know, I'm crunching some numbers. It's going to be tough to get them in with the obligations, but uh, yeah, they certainly deserve a shot. They'll get. What, what's in the? Do you know what's in the rotation this year for the? Um, so the sugar and the rose are the playoff bowls. So that means I think It'll be orange and I think the SEC champion shifts to the orange bowl. I could be wrong or whoever the top SEC team is. So it's going to depend on if the SEC gets two in the playoff somehow, then Mizzou will definitely be. It's got to be Alabama orange and Mizzou peach then, right? Well, yeah, it's not an auto SEC anymore. Peach is not an auto SEC, oh, okay. so it, it's going to be in that large game this year. So, um, pick Missouri. Yeah, hopefully they pick Missouri. Hopefully they're still that high. If they stay in the top ten, they will be in a New oh, Year's yeah, for sure, for But, um, yeah, Cody Schrader had another great game. Luther Burden had the clutch catch on fourth and 17 mm-hmm. to uh, extend the eventual game-winning drive. So, great win all around there for the Missouri Tigers. South Carolina keeping their slim bowl hopes alive. They get to five and six by beating Kentucky 17, 14 at home. I didn't watch any of this game. There was too much going on tonight, but hats off to the Gamecocks and Shane Beamer for keeping uh, yeah. postseason hopes alive. They'll see if they can beat their rival Clemson Tigers um, two years in a row next week. Uh, else. Oh no, wait, I froze up. Hold on. It's everything. It's okay. Keep going. Everywhere else. And Trey froze up. All right. Well, this is why we do it live on Saturday nights. Uh, It's all good. I had a brief heart attack there as well, but it's all good. Um, Elsewhere in the SEC, 
It was a bakery because there were a ton of cupcakes and everybody enjoyed mm-hmm. their cupcake except for the Auburn Tigers because uh, Diego uh, uh, Pavia and the New Mexico State Aggies came in and just abused Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. It's the second year in a row Hugh Freeze loses to the Aggies. Garrett, I don't know how much of this game you watch. I was pretty locked in uh, once it became apparent that this was possible. Diego Pavia wrestling slammed a guy at one point this was amazing i i have been you know a big fan of the aggies this year big i'm a big fan of diego pavia he's just a really fun uh definitely not the most talented quarterback or the most fundamentally sound quarterback in in college football but a really fun quarterback nonetheless if you just want college football theater and entertainment value you go with diego pavia I believe I referred to him as the homeless man's Johnny Manziel at one point this year. Uh, and I stick to that because <laughs> he had a really fun game. I think that's true. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was t- 19 to 28 for 201 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. That'll get it done. And yep. Auburn just couldn't do anything offensively. Um, embarrassing loss for Hugh Freeze. I, I think that is. Yep concerning for Auburn fans. And, you know, they'll, they'll point to the fact that Nick Saban lost to ULM in his first year, but that's what everyone's pointing to. That's what everybody points to. And there's only one Nick Saban. And it was, it was the week before the iron bowl. Here we go. It's an Auburn dynasty. Well, I'd have to go back and watch it. How Alabama lost that game, but they didn't run for only 65 yards. I don't think, I mean, I'll, I'll go back and check those numbers here in a second, but Auburn ran quite a few turnovers. Uh, I actually watched highlights of that game this week. Cause it popped up on one of those, this day in sports uh, clip pages on Twitter. So yeah, it was a lot of turnovers. It, it just ugly effort, honestly, from Auburn and look, it's, it's, I get it. It's a first year head coach. You're doing what you can. Still tough to justify it. Give them an offseason. They'll get past it, but it, it's got to move in the right direction. Let's move to the G5 really quickly, and we'll close this recap show out. Game of the day in the G5. We highlighted it as one of our big three. SMU 38, Memphis 34. SMU all but guarantees a spot in the American Championship. They would need to lose to Navy and have some other weird math stuff work out. Uh, to not get in uh, next week. But, yeah, a huge win for the Mustangs on the road. It's the first time they've beaten a team with a winning record this season. It's a fun back-and-forth game. Uh, SMU holds on at the end. Their defense just made a few more stops than Memphis did in the end. Tulane also won this week. UTSA also won this week. All three of them are undefeated. Tulane and UTSA play in New Orleans next week in another de facto semifinal game in the American Liberty moves to 11 and 0, beats UMass 49-25 and they will be rewarded. I saw somebody tweet out they will be rewarded by again by not being ranked in the college football playoff poll. <laughs> it's just preposterous. They are 11 and 0, rank them you cowards. Oh, their okay. coach is looking at another job, so that doesn't help. Just rank them 25. Like who does that right. to Throw rank 25 them 25 on the back of it? Who cares? You can put SMU or whoever wins the American right above them next week. No one's going to question you. Put them 25. It it literally doesn't matter. James Madison, unfortunately, could not. Oh, and Liberty will play uh, New Mexico State, the aforementioned fight in Diego Pavia's 
in the CSA championship in a couple weeks. That's already locked up. Uh, James Madison couldn't do the same. They could not move to 11. No, they fell to app state 26, 23 in overtime. They tied the game with about 50 seconds left. Got a big interception to stop a game winning drive for app state in regulation, but they kicked a field goal. App state got a touchdown in overtime. Troy has clinched the West in the Sun Belt. The East rep is likely going to be coastal or app state. Coastal takes on JMU next week at home. App state takes on Georgia Southern. So, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting that App State is probably going to lock up a trip to the Sun Belt Championship game. Um, Toledo's ten and one; they beat Bowling Green uh, all the way back on Tuesday. That 30. was a very fun game. That was that was a fun one game. of my they favorite scored, games. Scored with about a minute and a half left on a mm-hmm. long touchdown to take the lead. Held a long on running on one around the corner too, where it was just bad angles and then take off, and the crowd goes crazy. It was fun. Yeah, Toledo's good this year, man. I, I firmly, you know, I, I put them in at 25 in our power rankings a couple weeks ago. That's still paying off. Uh, and Miami, Ohio will be the opponent. They are 9-2, and two, and they beat Buffalo to clinch the East. Really quickly, I'll roll, run through teams that clinch bowl eligibility that we haven't talked about last week. Welcome to the postseason. Western Kentucky knocking off Sam Houston State. Boise State beat Utah State today. They are in, all of a sudden a play-in game for the Mountain West Championship next week against Air Force. Air Force has collapsed, losing three in a row. And after firing their coach last week, they are one win away from – Boise State is one win away from winning – getting to the Mountain West Championship game. College football is a hilarious sport. South Alabama also got bowl eligible this week. And Arkansas State, Butch Jones and company – put up 77 on Texas State. And I was texting you guys about this game because I watched it for a little bit. The difference in this game, it was a 28-point margin of victory, 77 to you guys do the math. It's too late for me to do the math. 31. Yeah, thank you, 31. And the difference in this game was the uh, just complete collapse of – the offense being able to tackle the defense after turning it over for Texas State. Arkansas State got two uh, two pick sixes, a scoop and score, and recovered another fumble at the Texas State 15. If you take and score at home, that is 28 points just handed to Arkansas State. Again, they put up 77 total, and they're going to a bowl game. Look, it's pretty spectacular. If you had told me going into this week that Texas State was going to score 31 points and TJ Finley was going to pass for 366 and three touchdowns, I'd have been pretty ecstatic about that. I'd say, wow, Texas State, you're taking care of business. What bowl game are we going to go to? Well, I mean, they're, they're still bowling, but not a great effort, not a super awesome time. And Arkansas State, man, hats off, played good football, took care of your business on defense, 77 points, ain't nothing to sneeze at. So uh, have fun going bowling, and I uh, can't wait to see where they end up. For bowl season as well. Well, Garrett, that about does it for this week. And, you know, it's the best week of the year coming up this week. We have football on Monday. We have a great Monday night football game. We're not an NFL show, but a fantastic Monday night football game this week. Joe from Longview is absolutely right. It's finally the week we've been waiting for all season. The one game season for Michigan and Ohio State finally starts. Uh, that's just my subtle jab at the Big Ten. But, 
you know, we've got games Tuesday night action. We've got a Thursday night Egg Bowl that always delivers. Black Friday's a full slate. Oh, yeah. And then all the big rivalry games on Saturday. I could not be more excited to eat a bunch of food, watch a bunch of football, and get to break it all down with you guys. So we'll be right back here. Stay tuned on social media. We'll announce when we're dropping our episode this week. We'll try to get it out to you guys in time for your drive to grandma's house to give you some entertainment. And we'll be right back here next weekend to break down all the crazy results. For that man over there, Mr. Garrett Turney. For Mitch Mason, we're hoping he gets his 12-point buck. I'm Trey Reeves. We'll see you guys next time. Gracious, yeah. How about that?